Please be seated. Good morning to all. Good morning, church. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, we are met here to worship you and give you glory this morning. Lord God, we are here to hear from your word and put our hearts and our spirits before you to be taught, to be instructed, to be disciplined, to be encouraged, Father, to be changed, all to your glory. And Lord, as we are together, we note those and we miss those who are not with us. We pray for our pastor, Jake, who is on the other side of the world. Uh, serving your kingdom. We pray, God, for his protection, his encouragement, his strength as he serves there. We pray for our pastor, Jamie, as he labors there on the other side of the world alongside Jake. Um, give him understanding. Teach him, Father, how he and how we as Indian Creek Baptist Church can better serve your kingdom even among those in Thailand. Protect him, God. We pray for Pastor Guy somewhere in the South Pacific as he also serves the kingdom and goes out from us to further your kingdom, to bring the gospel, to encourage ministers hopefully, Lord, to help establish churches, protect him, uh, bless his work. And Father, we also pray for Mandy and her family as they serve here. Protect them, God, while Jake's away. Encourage them. We pray for Kasha and her family to also protect, encourage, and guide them. And we pray for Nancy and their family Father, in this time, that you will do the same, protect, encourage. And Father, as we look into your word today, focus our hearts, we pray, and teach us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who may be um, visiting or if you're not familiar with me, my name is Skipper Bennett. I am not a pastor or the pastor. I am going to be a guest speaker. So let's settle on that. I am a guest speaker. And something that I didn't plan to say, but in getting hooked up or wired up for this experience this morning, is something new. You may not have ever experienced that. It's something quite different. Uh, 
I have a, a mic right here, and I have a little battery pack here, but what is really, you may not see it, but what is really evident to me are these little plastic hooky things that go over my ears. And so while I'm speaking to you, everything else is every day except for this sensation over my ears, and I will tell you what it feels like. I know it doesn't look like this, but what it feels like is I'm standing up here like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> because in my imagination, I picture these big ears up here. Maybe I should not have planted that in your imagination. <laughs> but here we go. Um, we'll be looking today at Psalm 139, if you would open there or tap there or swipe there, but if you'll join me in Psalm 139. Psalm, the book of Psalms, is right in the middle of the Bible, right in the middle, Psalm Before we get started, uh, I'm a guest speaker, and so I'm not going to be up here. I'll be up here this morning. We, as a church, as believers in Christ, there are certain things that we believe and that we say are true. We are studying and we are hearing this morning from the Word of God, the Bible makes certain statements that we affirm God is. God is a creator. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Everything that we can see or discover was created by him. Humanity, man, woman is created in God's image and still every man and every woman is in God's image the Bible is without error it is true forever it is reliable it is preserved it is the word of God However, creation and humanity was marred, is fallen because of man, Adam's rebellion and sin. And the world that we live in today is that fallen world as a result. And you and I are fallen as a result. However, God had a purpose to reconcile mankind to himself. 
And the Bible tells us of how he accomplished that. The Son of God, Jesus the Christ, was born and took on flesh and was incarnated. Very God, yet very man, a human. And he came to atone for the sins of the world, mine and yours. And he took on the sins and the wrath of God on the cross. And he died. And he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. Because sin had no hold on him. Because there was no sin in him. And he is alive today at the right hand of God our Savior, our intercessor. The Bible tells us that every human has one of two destinies. The Word of God says that either a human, a man, a woman, when they die, when this physical body dies, you will either be at home with God in heaven, forgiven, or you will be separated from God, still in your sins, and you will suffer eternal torment and separation from God. There are only two destinies for mankind. This is what we affirm. This is what we believe. Now, just a moment ago, I hope you noticed, we had an unexpected moment. I was, I was quiet and looked out across the crowd intentionally. That's usually not the structure of our teaching. Or our preaching. It was unexpected. Were you uncomfortable with that? That was not our routine. There are some things that you can expect today. I am a guest speaker. So let me tell you of some things you can expect. You can expect that we will end on or about 12 o'clock noon. So this is something to encourage you. There's a clock right back there on the wall, and it's very visible, and I see it. You can also expect that there will be no points to my sermon. I am not organized and structured like our Pastor Jake or our Pastor Jamie or our Pastor Guy that preaches from this pulpit. My sermon, sorry, I'm a guest speaker. My talk will have no points. At the end of the service, we will have a time when we sing and respond as we are accustomed to. You can expect that. We will take up an offering. We're accustomed to that. That will occur. <coughs> and I will dismiss us with a blessing as we're accustomed to. 
so you can expect that. You will notice as uh, we go through, we are going to get to Psalm 139. As we go through one, Psalm 139, and as I speak today, you're going to hear the words, we, our, and us. And we, our, and us is directed to the church. We, our, us, we are in Christ. We've been born again. We are members of Indian Creek. We have been through believer's baptism. Let me ask you again. When I was looking across the crowd, and I have not started the sermon, were you uncomfortable? I want to inform you, if you were not aware, that each Southern Baptist church in the United States has a censor installed. Jake gave me authority to engage this censor this morning before he went to Thailand. And this censor knows your thoughts. And makes them evident during a message. Are you uncomfortable now? <laughs> the title of this sermon is No Secrets. Actually, this morning I thought of another title, so I have two titles. Title is No Secrets. The additional title is Words and Thoughts. Words and thoughts. Before we look into Psalm 139, I would like to read a list to you and also mention the three omni attributes of our God. Let me read you the list. It goes as follows Perfect, sure. Right, pure, clean, true, perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true. And then there are three omni-attributes of God that the Bible teaches us, demonstrates for us, displays for us, only one of them is actually mentioned in Scripture, and that is omnipotence. Omni, that prefix means all or total. Omnipotence means that God, our God, is all-powerful. Omnipotence. And then there is omniscience, which means our God knows Everything. Everything. Our God never discovers anything. Our God never learns anything. He is omniscient. And then there is the omnipresence of God, which means that God is present in all of his attributes at every point 
in his creation at the same time totally. We use the phrase God is everywhere and beyond. He is omnipresence. Let's look at Psalm 139. This psalm was written by David. You know David. King David. David, the shepherd. David, the poet. David and Goliath. David, the king. David, the warrior. The warrior. David, the adulterer. David, the murderer. David. And we have, in Psalm 139, a very personal prayer. We're we're reading a prayer of David to his God. In Psalm 139. Let's look at verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Notice that David says, you have searched me. David is acknowledging that. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. In this room, I don't have to have too much talent to know if you rise up or if you sit down because I can see you and you, me as well. But David says, Oh Lord, you know when I rise up and sit down from afar. And beyond that, look, he says, You discern my thoughts from afar. Words and thoughts, I want you to remember that through this talk. Words and thoughts. David says, you discern my thoughts from afar. Perhaps you were not aware that this church is detected with the censor and your thoughts are known. Your thoughts are known. David said that. Verse 3. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word, words and thoughts, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether before it is on my tongue. Where do words come from? Where do words come from? They come from thoughts. Do they not? Before we say something, we think it. How quick is that operation? We are created by God. How quick is that operation? Words come from thoughts. Here's another question. Where do thoughts come from? Thoughts come from our heart. The Bible identifies and uses the word heart to encompass 
our spirit, our mind. What, me, what makes me, me, and makes you, you. You are created in the image of God. The Bible calls this the heart. Words come from thoughts. Thoughts come from the heart. Verse 5. You hem me in. You surround me, God. Behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge... David says, is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I do not understand this, but God, you know my word before I even say it. God, you are omnipresent. You are behind me. You are before me. You hem me in. I cannot understand this. This knowledge is... David says it is wonderful. It did not make him uncomfortable. Verse 7. Talking about the omnipresence of God. David says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? God is present everywhere. You know, there is a big difference between the statement that says God is everywhere and the statement or the sentence that says God is here. They're both true. God is here. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You, interesting word. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. 
How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Is David uncomfortable with God searching him and knowing him? Is David uncomfortable that God knows his words before he thinks them? Is David uncomfortable with the truth that God was the one who formed him in his mother's womb? Is David uncomfortable with his statement that he says that all of my days, all of my life was written in your book before there was even one of them. Is he afraid? Is he in dread? No. This is wonderful, David says. This is precious to me, David says. But look at the next verse. Verse 19. He has praised God. He has stated the truth. What a personal prayer. And look what he asks next. Verse 19. David the warrior. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me, he says. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Wait a minute, David. Wait a minute. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my words before they're even on my tongue. David's zeal for the holiness of God. Leads him to burst out. This is a request to God, is it not? Did he not say, oh, Lord... That you would slay the wicked, O God? Do I not hate them with perfect hatred? Are we familiar with anything like this in the Bible? Actually, we are. You need not turn there, but let me read to you a passage from Luke chapter 9. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is traveling with his 12 disciples. He is on his way from the north part of Israel down to Jerusalem. And it is the final trip to Jerusalem because as he gets there and he tells his disciples, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed and he will be mocked and he will be spit upon and he will be killed. 
that he will rise on the third day. He is on his way to Jerusalem. And the geography of Israel, just north of Jerusalem and Judea, is a region called Samaria, the good Samaritans. And Samaritans and Jews hate each other. There is a racial, there is an ethnic, there is a cultural. They hate each other. In fact, if you come from Galilee and you go down to Jerusalem, many times Jews would go around. They would take a detour. So they would not even go through Samaria. But Jesus is going to go through Samaria. Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 9. 51 through 56. When the days drew near for him to be taken up. Remember, David just prayed to God, O Lord, that you will slay the wicked. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. It would have been some of the disciples. Who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. Some place to stay, some place to eat, get some water. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. You're on your way to Jerusalem. You are a Jew. You're not welcome here. You are not welcome here. And when his disciples... James and John, Luke names them. (laughs) James and John were brothers. They were fishermen. Jesus gave them a nickname. Do you remember the nickname? The Sons of Thunder. And Jesus nicknamed them this. Probably smiled when he did that. The Sons of Thunder. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, Do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? They were mean to you, Lord. Do you want us to pray for fire to come down from heaven and scorch them up? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. So this zeal can be misplaced. And if we go back to 139... And look at verse 23 and 24. David quietly and humbly prays to God. Almost whispers to God. Verse 23. Search me, O God. Do you remember verse 1? O Lord, you have... You have searched me and known me. But in verse 23, David prays, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Where do words come from? They come from our thoughts. Where do our thoughts come from? They come from our heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, test me, and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way 
the King James has it any wicked way. He had just, he had just prayed to God, Oh Lord, that you would slay the wicked. Do I not hate them who hate thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. He considers, search me, O oh God. You know my heart. Try me. Try me. And know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Very private, very personal prayer. Search me, try me, know me, my heart and my thoughts. David came to remorse. It caused repentance and it brought about renewal. Is this only operating in David's life? Are we not created in the image of God? Are we not the same as David? Remorse, repentance, renewal. There, I did alliteration. Three words with the same letter. Now, about that censor that knows your thoughts here in our church. Are you still uncomfortable? You need not worry. You need not worry about me knowing your thoughts. I do not know your thoughts, except for some of you. I said, this sermon, this talk will have no points. And I, you said, great. This sermon is pointless. <laughs> yes. No. In Hebrews chapter 4, we get a description of this censor in every Southern Baptist church. In fact, this censor operates in a wider scope than that. Here is Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, and it's very familiar scripture to us. For the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is alive and powerful. And it, it, it is called in other places the sword of the spirit. The writer of Hebrews here says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And what does a sword do? It divides. You take a sharp sword and it divides. It divides, Hebrews says... Between the soul and the spirit. Between joints, our bones, our joints, and our marrow. Do you know what marrow is? Marrow is a soft tissue 
within our bones, if you can picture me as a skeleton right now. Oh, great. I did Mickey Mouse, now I'm doing a skeleton. Picture me as a skeleton. Bones, hard, dense, but marrow is within those bones. And marrow produces our blood cells, about 5 billion per day. Hebrews says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, even sharp enough, if possible, to separate, to divide, to cut between bone and marrow. Right, wrong, true, false, holy, sinful, righteous, unrighteous. Sometimes we call these questions in our language black and white. This is a black and white question. It's either this or that. Black and white. The world, not the Word of God, but the world also divides. It will tell you what is right, wrong, true, false. Except instead of something sharper than any two-edged sword, it uses something more like a club. It uses philosophy. It uses wisdom. It uses tradition. It uses polling. It uses... Or maybe not a club, maybe a sword, but a dull, blunt sword, not sharp. And if you pound and if you smash long enough, you can divide. This is black. This is white. Well, what is all of that mushy mess in the middle with your pounding? It doesn't divide cleanly. That mushy mess has some black in it and it has some white in it. Black and white make gray. Oh, this is a gray area. We can't really tell you this or that. That's a gray area. Not the Word of God. That is the sensor that operates on you and I. Hebrews says... The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul of, and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and it also discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is the censor. Verse 13, And no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. One of the things that I hope this talk will do is give you a feeling of isolation. You notice that when I talk, I will scan across the crowd that's so that I can communicate because this is a group and so I scan. How different would it be 
if instead of scanning across the crowd, that way you don't feel isolated, how different if I just chose one person and just looked at one person for all of my comments? Would that person feel uncomfortable? No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we, the word is must, give an account. There are no secrets. No secrets to our God, from our God, before our God. No secrets. So the Bible tells us so that this will not be unexpected. When I was quiet at the beginning of the talk, it's not what we are accustomed to from our pastor Jake or Jamie or Guy or other pastors who preach here. And so this account that we all must give should not be unexpected. We all must give. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Corinth, and he has been discussing with them that while he is, he says, I am of good courage. When I am in the body, when I am here, like me, like you, I am here in the body, but I'm away from the Lord as far as with him in his presence in heaven. But if I am with him, then I would be away from the body. But I take good courage either way, Paul says. And in verse 9, he says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Believers, sisters, Brothers, Indian Creek Church, we need not fear this judgment seat of Christ. We are in Him. This judgment seat is a judgment seat of rewards. But we must all appear. And Paul says, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, each one. We will not appear together as a group. Next church, Indian Creek, y'all are next. Each one. Each one. Was David afraid? Was he regretful that God had searched him and known him? No. It was wonderful 
it was precious to him. Need we fear this appearance before Jesus Christ? No. 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 But what will we do? We are here at January 21 in the year of our Lord, 2024. What are we going to do? We, like Paul says, home or away. We are not there. We are not before the judgment seat of Christ at this time. What are we going to do? Do you recall the list that I read to you at the beginning? Let me read it again. Pure. I'm sorry. Let me start over. Perfect. Sure. Bright. Pure. Clean. True. This sounds like a good list. What is perfect? The law of the Lord, Paul writes, is perfect. Excuse me, David writes. The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean. The rules, the King James says judgments, of the Lord are true. How does this operate in my life and your life? What difference does that make? How can that live within our life? Well, let me read to you from Psalm 19, David again, verses 7 through 9. How are we going to live going forward from this morning? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Words and thoughts. I do not know your thoughts. I cannot see your heart. But God does. The word of God does. The law of the Lord is perfect. Here's what it does. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are truth and righteous all together. And David says, of what value are they? Verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. What is a presumptuous sin? I know that it's wrong. I know that it's wrong. And I choose to do it anyway. I presume to do that. David says, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of a great transgression. Verse 14. 
here's how we should go. Let the words, words and thoughts, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I mentioned the words we, our, us. There may be other people here today that are not we, that are not us, that are not believers, Christians, born again. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides your thoughts and your intents are also known and searched out by a holy God. The Bible is honest and true and factual. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But there is another judgment. The Bible is honest. There are only two destinies. There is another judgment seat before a holy God for those who have died still in their rebellious, unforgiven sin. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Not funeral death. That is perhaps the destiny for all of us. All of our bodies will die. This death is eternal death. This total death. This separation from God forever death. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In John chapter 3, an old man named Nicodemus came to Jesus one night and he heard how he could be reconciled to a holy God, forgiven. These verses are very familiar to us, are they not? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, loved the world, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If you are not reconciled, if you are not forgiven, you can be. Today, here, or anywhere, Christ died for you.
to atone for your sin because be sure that a holy God knows your thoughts and knows the intents of your heart and there are no secrets. Would you bow? Let's pray together. Father, it is wonderful and precious that you have searched us and you know us and you have tried us and you are always with us. And through Jesus Christ, through his grace, through his atonement, through his forgiveness, our belief and our trust has made us the children of God. And we are safe in you. And Father, for us, there was a time when we were not in that state. Yet you drew us and called us and saved us. As we go today and as we leave this place, let us feel isolated. Because God is everywhere, but let us, as we walk through our days, affirm and say in thankfulness, and it is precious to us, and it is wonderful, let us say that God is here, and that we belong to you. We ask this in Jesus' name.